Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. Today, we're going back to basics. I want to tell you how to find the best deals at some of my favorite retailers. And later, I got a really important assignment for you. I am going to give you some homework to do, but it'll have a payoff. So, you know that I'm obsessed with the warehouse clubs. It just is true. And years ago, we had a dog named Costco Wholesale. Now we have a dog named Kirkland Signature. Sam's Club, but someday, someday we'll have a dog named after Sam's Club. Just haven't done that yet. But at both of those stores... You got to know how to crack the code to save more money. So let's start with Costco. Once you get this in your mind, that we're in Costco and you see an item that has the star symbol in the upper right hand corner of that price label. When you see that, that means it's what they call internally a sell through. They are not going to stock that item again. And so that item, if you see a ton of them there, and you want it, but you want it at an even better than normal Costco price, you don't buy it when it's got that star. Because at some point, it's going to go on 97. 97 is when Costco is selling an item clearing it out below their cost. So Costco, when you're shopping there, maximum markup on an item that's a brand name is 14%, Kirkland Signature 15%. But then they'll have an item the buyers had an oops on and people weren't excited by them. Or it'll be seasonal goods like clothing and they're moving to the point in the season where they got to bring in the next season's goods And clothing is where you'll see a lot of the stars on the things. And those items are going to get marked down. And they're going to go to 97. And all 97 means is, let's say an item was $22.99, and it might be marked down to $14.97, let's say. If they still have a ton of them, they'll mark it down again and again. And at some point, they'll just donate the remaining unsold inventory to charity if even going on 97 has not gotten the item to move. And there are other times that a store manager will mark things down. And most often, those will end in 0-0. So a manager discretionary markdown will end in 0-0. And Costco does not promote 
any of this I'm telling you because they don't want their customers to ever be trained, their members to ever be trained to wait for an item to get marked down. But if you want to be an even cheaper Costco shopper than a regular Costco shopper, you follow the system of the asterisk, asterisk star, what do you call that? Asterisk. Anyway, you follow that knowing it's going to be a sell-through, and then you watch for the markdown, and then you buy. And you'll find the, the 97s most often, as I mentioned, in clothing. The other area you'll see them is in what I guess you'd call housewares. When you move into the steel, uh, that's what they call the big, the big racks that have inventory on them, and where there'll be towels and sheets and uh, anything like um, dishes, cups, um, glasses, kitchen cooking kind of stuff. Those kind of, you see, I'm really in cooking. <laughs> Those areas, you'll see a lot of items with the asterisk symbol, and you'll see a lot of items that go on 97. Uh, one other area where that will happen is sporting goods, where they'll sell sporting goods seasonally. You'll have like uh, ski gear, and ski gear almost always will be sell-through merchandise. And you get into a year with uh, light snowfall or late in the ski season, and they still have ski gear like nice ski gloves, ski helmets, um, uh, what do you call the um, the board's, you grew up snowboards. In no, the things that when you have snow in your neighborhood and you go sleds. Oh, sleds. Yeah, they'll sell. <laughs> See what happens when you grow up in the south. Anyway, so uh, you know they'll clear out sleds and all that and all that kind of stuff will have the asterisk and the ninety-seven. Now the Sam's Club equivalent is an item that's going to be a sell-through item will have the number sign. The hash mark hashtag. Mm-hmm. hashtag hashtag number sign in the corner, and then when it gets marked down, it'll end in one penny. It could be ninety-one, forty-one, sixty-one cents, whatever the person doing the markdown at corporate wants to make it with uh, anywhere from eleven cents to ninety-one cents, but always ending in one penny. Uh, Sam's uses a different markup formula than Costco. And Sam's Club has the buying power of Walmart. So sometimes they're able to buy merchandise cheaper from the supplier, the manufacturer, than Costco. But their markups usually are higher than Costco. So their markdowns are even more valuable at Sam's Club. Now, my other go-to is the middle aisle at Aldi. And if you're not familiar with the middle aisle, the middle aisle is where Aldi sells non-food items. So buying things like um, uh, all kinds of stuff for the home or for our dogs. Our dogs wear these in the winter. They wear these sweaters and they sell... um, doggy raincoats and things like that, dog leashes. I mean, they, the Germans love their pets. 
and both Aldi and the much smaller in the United States, Lidl, both of them do a big push in their middle aisle on pet stuff. And then things for the home like various charging devices for electronics. And uh, they'll even sell things like smartwatches or fitness trackers and a lot of exercise gear as well. And the prices that stuff is sold middle aisle at Aldi is cheaper than you could even think about buying any equivalent item at Sam's Club or at Costco. So those are my favorites. Wanted to share with you how I save money in my own life. The biggest thing I do at Costco and Sam's Club that you should know is unless I know I'm going in to buy something heavy, I never get a shopping cart or what's called in my part of the country, a buggy. (laughs) So I don't get a cart because what happens, look at how oversized those carts are at Costco and Sam's Club. They're looking for the impulse buys. They're looking for people who come in, I just need to go buy detergent. Hopefully Kirkland's signature and not Tide. Anyway, but they're looking for the people who go in to buy detergent And then on the way to the detergent, they buy 24 other things. But if you buy one thing there of paper towels or toilet paper, you need a cart. Yeah. So I'll tell you how I do that. Often they'll have carts in the back of the store. So I'll I'll sweep the store and (laughs) try to avoid. Yes, it is an operation in my head. And. (laughs) I'll try to avoid buying things I don't really need, but like, hey, look at that. I'm going to get it. And then at the very end is when I get a cart. And usually you can find them in the very back of the store. There'll be some carts around there that people have abandoned. And I'll get a cart then, and then I'll get the heavy stuff. And then I go to checkout in order to protect my wallet. But Enough about that. We have a Costco question. We do, from David. He says, I have a Costco membership and mainly use it to purchase gas. I see they charge a $1 service fee to my card at their pumps. This stinks because I'm not saving nearly as much as I thought. I'm paying for the cost of their membership and fuel fees every year. What do you think about this? David, I can help you relax on this. What that dollar you see is a hold. And it's where they just make sure that your card is good for the money before you pump the gas. And you are not, if you look on your monthly statements, you're not being charged that dollar. It's only a pre-authorization hold. If you are actually seeing the $1 charge on your bill, we got to talk again. But it almost certainly is a $1 pre-authorization hold. This is from Kevin in Chicago. I wanted to get your impressions of the Amex premium rental car insurance. I pay $24 per rental, not per day, when charging via my Amex, and it provides primary coverage for theft and damage to a rental vehicle. So I love for people renting cars, if you can use a card that gives you primary coverage, it's really great. The list of cards that do that is pretty short that don't have very high annual fees. But it's typical that if you're going to use a card with primary coverage, you're going to have to pay an annual fee. The, uh, the one that is best for this is one that is available from 
Chase, which is the Sapphire Reserve. So Sapphire Reserve is the expensive one. It's the preferred. It's the $95 annual fee and comes with primary rental car coverage. In your case, if you rent cars four or less times a year, paying Amex the $24 fee makes perfect sense versus you then applying for and getting another card for the purpose of renting cars. This is from Craig in Utah. My wife went into the hospital in respiratory distress. Oh, no. Yes, with a blood oxygen level of about 78%. She was given a CT scan with contrast, a dye injected into the blood to improve the scan's image quality. Within a few minutes of the scan, her blood oxygen level tanked to 54%. She was immediately sedated, intubated, and flown to a trauma-level hospital with a respiratory ICU. It turns out she's allergic to the CT's contrast dye, which is what tanked her oxygen level and required the advanced life support and helicopter transfer. Her medical bill would not be nearly as high without all of that. The hospital provided the services and should get paid something, but her original situation did not require a life flight ride and four days in an ICU. I don't feel we should be the ones to help fund her treatment from a situation the hospital created. Is there a way to get refunded our $8,500 out-of-pocket maximum and just let the insurance pay the hospital the rest? Her illness turned out to be RSV, by the way. So I love everything you said that the conclusion of the story is your wife ended up okay. The stuff in between, really bad, ugly. So it is a normal procedure, and they'll ask you at a hospital, do you have an allergy to the contrast dye. Uh, you know, I've had to, because of my medical problems, I've had uh, dye with contrast, you know, dye for contrast scanning over and over again. And every single time I'm asked if I'm allergic to it. And it's because it can cause very serious reactions like happened with your wife. And again, the really great news is she survived it. It is not considered to be an issue of malpractice at all if the hospital asked the question or if it was even a situation where they could ask the question with the distress your wife was in. And to your knowledge, you did not know and she did not know that she was allergic to the dye used to do a scan with contrast. And so the hospital did not do anything medically or clinically wrong in that case. So the resulting medical problems that were caused by her allergic reaction is not a fault of the hospital, is not negligence of the hospital. And so as awful a pill as it is to swallow, in my opinion, it is a legitimate bill that is, in fact, your responsibility. And I'm just really, really glad that she did, in fact, make a full recovery. Julie in Georgia says there is a new company called Boxable, B-O-X-A-B-L. They are currently seeking investors. Have you heard of this company? And is it a good idea to invest? It begins at $1,000. So Boxable is an idea. I've talked about it on the show I am so excited by the concept, and you can see it if you go to boxabl.com, mm-hmm. boxabl.com. 
So it is like a, um, it's a pre-built, essentially, um, accessory dwelling unit for a property, like to have an in-office home or a small apartment or whatever put on your property. And they start at 50 grand. And so I'm so into this kind of construction, delivery of finished housing products, and then they're just lowered onto site, typically with a crane. Now, is it a good investable opportunity? Ha! Huh. This is a very speculative kind of thing because uh, I don't know how long ago it was I talked about what they were up to, and I don't know they're delivering them yet, are they? Not that I'm aware I of. I don't think they're even doing delivery. So you would be someone who really believes in this as an idea and has money that you're willing to kiss goodbye. Because you don't know, even though um, manufacturing housing and factories is absolutely a significant part of our housing future in the United States, you don't know who's going to be successful at the end of the day. So this would be something you're doing that is a sentimental investment not one that is one that you can necessarily expect to get back any of your money. Now, speaking of money, recently I talked about canceling a trial subscription I had, and I realized what an important assignment this is that I'm going to give you now. So I want you to get your notebook ready because I'm going to talk about it next. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So recently, I talked about having a trial subscription with Sling TV, and I was trying to get my family to switch from YouTube TV at 65 a month to Sling at 45 a month, and I was a total failure getting the TV watchers to switch. But when I signed up for what was a 30-day plan with them that they offered me the first month, I think it was $10. But if I didn't cancel by a certain date, it went to the 45. So what I did, I used an electronic calendar, went on my electronic calendar, and it popped up on my day's activities to cancel this. And uh, boy, that was pessimistic. I just, up front, I was like, my family's not going to be open-minded to this. But anyway, I'd put it on the calendar. And if I had not done that, I never would have remembered and I would have been, oops, next month with that $45 bill. So it really got me to thinking about all these trials we sign up for, subscriptions we sign up for, and all the rest. So I want to bring some money back into your life. And I want you to do this for yourself. I want you to get out, if you get paper statements, or if you do it online, sign in to access your checking account and each of your credit cards. I want you to do this in one sitting. 
where you look through everything you're being billed for automatically. Whatever it is that's billing you every single month that you're just paying money for whatever, for things that at the time looked like a good idea, but since you're not doing. An example of one is a lot of people sign up for a gym membership or a fitness membership and they just pay it automatically and they don't even want to think about the fact that they're consumed with guilt that they never go to the gym. So they just pay it and ignore it. Okay, so if you're paying a gym, what does a gym membership cost anyway, Chris? Is it like it totally twenty depends to fifty dollars a month or something? Mm-hmm. Okay, it depends. I, it could be a lot more or more than that. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. I pay my son is a member of a big chain, and we pay twenty dollars a month for him. Twenty. Okay. Uh, so no contract. No contract. Oh, by the way, that's always the key with the gym. Never, 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 not ever, without exception, you never join a gym that makes you sign a long-term contract because that is a con game. Because sadly, as much as we might like to change our habits and work out, most people who join a gym, uh, they have trouble with the follow-through and sticking with it. So the uh, gym marketeers know this, and that's why they try to get you in a multi-year contract for the gym so that you are a paycheck to them but you're getting nothing in return. So when you do join a gym, you always want to join one that you can join month to month or quarterly, something like that. But anyway, I digress because the big thing, the important thing is to look through those bills and see what you're paying for that you don't use or things you're getting billed for and you're wondering, what am I actually getting for that? Now, what am I getting from... Apple for whatever they're billing me for every month? Or what am I getting from Google for what they're billing me for? Or Microsoft or any of these technology firms? Any gaming kind of stuff? If you're a gamer, there could be subscriptions you're paying for that you're not using. And the only way to really get your arms around this is to make an appointment with yourself with that old-fashioned pen and paper and going through those bills, and then going through the hoops that each organization makes you go through in order to cancel that membership and stick to it because every single dollar you find is like found money in your life, multiplied typically by times 12. So you're like, oh, why would I bother? It's only $8.99 a month. That's over $100 a year. If there was a $100, well, I'd never carry a $100 bill, but if there was a $100 bill that was sitting on the ground, are you just going to walk right by it like I don't bother with 100 I mean, I almost got run over the other day in a crosswalk when I stopped to pick up a nickel that was on the ground. I mean, I bleed every penny. You better bleed that 100 or I've got real concerns with you. If you've got that $5 a month, that's 60 a year, 60 bucks a year. What could you do with $60 a year to improve your life or improve your finances? So this is your assignment. I want to hear back from you feedback. If you found 
a lot of lost money that was vanishing in your life that just by doing the discipline of going through your bills, suddenly you've restored money in your life. You're going to really feel great. Krista? Tanya in Connecticut wants to know about paying for college. My son is ready to attend college. I told him he needs to stay in state in hopes that it would cost less. Unfortunately, Connecticut schools are not cheap and I'm in need of student loans. FAFSA has given my EFC estimated family contribution and it is $47,000. I wonder wonder if that means per year, school year, or total for the four years. I hope it's over the four years. Um, They are bonkers. Where am I supposed to get this money from? We are only receiving $5,000 of unsubsidized loans. Community college near us is not an option as it does not have a good reputation. I'm in need of advice on good places to apply for a student loan that won't play games and are trustworthy. Any advice? Also, my daughter's a sixth grader and we're thinking that we should start saving money for her in case she decides to go to college. Is it too late to start a 529? Definitely not too late to start a 529 for your daughter. And let's talk about your son. So this may not be something that, that you're comfortable with at all, but I'm going to suggest it. So I, because of family circumstances, ended up having to work full-time and go to college at night for most of my time in college. Uh, My father had lost his job, and that was a consequence of that. Turned out to be life-changing for me in so many positive ways, I can't even begin to tell you. And I would credit a meaningful amount of my success in my adult life from having gone through college as a night student instead of a day student. And I don't know what your vision is for your son as far as what you want for him, but there are so many employers right now in this time of labor shortage that are providing free college. And, I, and this is not an asterisk. It's free college to people who work for them. Typically, you have to work uh, the threshold will be 15 to 20 hours a week. And this would be a whole different way to think about it because there'd be no student loans that your son would have. There'd be no debt you'd be taking on. He'd be getting uh, some level of work experience while he's in school. And he'd be getting a college education at essentially no cost. Now, if your concept is your son's going to college uh, for this four years of fun and being with peers and the parties and all of that, then it's hard to make what I'm suggesting work. But if the goal is to get an education that would be really valuable to him down the road, he will benefit more and he will think differently about his academics if he's really having to earn it by having one of these jobs that are available, I can't even imagine how many employers right now make this a standard suite of benefits where you get free college education as a way for him to get through, get a degree, and not have to have paid for it and to be earning money while he's in school. You know, working 15 to 20 hours a week is not backbreaking for anybody in college. I worked a full-time job. I worked 40 hours a week. 
And I was able to get through undergraduate school in three years and got my master's in a year. And uh, not that that didn't take away some of the fun of college, but I'm not really a fun guy anyway. So yes, you are. just want you to think about that. Now, for your sixth grader, um, there's plenty of time for 529 to be beneficial for her. And her brother would always resent that there was money for the daughter, but not for the son. But that's the way it can be. Um, you are perfectly great for the sixth grader to have a 529 plan. The only issue is if the sixth grader decides not to go to college and you don't know yet if college is going to be her route. So what you could do instead is money you intend for her for a 529, set up an account, and you can look on my 529 plan guide to see the best ones and how to do this. But you set it up with you as the owner and your son is the beneficiary. By the time your son would be a senior in college, you'll have a pretty good feel if your daughter will be in 10th grade then. You'll have a real good solid feel if she's going to go to college. And then you can just change the beneficiary designation to her. No harm, no foul. Michael in Georgia says, why does my in-network doctor make me sign an agreement stating I agree to pay more than the insurance payment UCR? When the Usual doc- customary. Yes. When the doctor joined the network, didn't she agree to accept the insurance rate payment? Don't we have a three-way contract between myself, the insurance, and the doctor for in-network patients? Does that insurance contract supersede the doctor form I'm forced to sign to get service? I didn't force the doctor to join the network. It seems like they want it both ways. They want the patient business that joining the network provides, but they don't want to abide by the insurance negotiated rates. How does this all legally work? So the contract with the doctor being in the network is between the doctor and the insurer. You signing another agreement with the doctor that's between the doctor and you puts you in a negative position. Now, the doctor is almost certainly violating several clauses in the contract that the doctor entered into with the insurance company. And you could rat the doctor out to the insurer, but the reality is this doctor only wants to treat you if you pay above the negotiated rates. And by the way, let's call it what it is. Doctors are in an inferior position to the insurer. The negotiated rate is what the insurer crams down the doctor's throats. And the doctor may feel, hey, they need a book of patients, but they really can't make their practice work on the lousy reimbursement rates from the insurer. So the doctor is pushed into a corner. But you didn't cause that problem, and it's an unusual and uh, certainly an improper request in the frame of the contract the doctor would have signed with the insurer. And so it's asking you to use that doctor as in-network, but then subsidize what the doctor receives as income. And you may find that you've got to make a choice if you really, really trust and like this doctor. Are they worth you paying more money out of pocket or not? And that's going to be your call on whether you want to do that. But ratting the doctor out to the insurer, uh, that's not a doctor who's going to really be excited about treating you if they ever find out you're the one who ratted them out. 
And I want to thank you so much for being part of our community. I hope that there was some useful information that was helpful to you today or in the future. And get to work on your assignment of reducing your ongoing monthly expenses.